Welcome back, Bucket Busters. I'm your host, Tim Johnson, and this is the Busted Bucket Podcast, locally grown here in Portland, Oregon, the city of roses, city of bridges, Stumptown PDX. This is a show dedicated to Rip City and everyone who loves Portland basketball. Joining me is my co-host, the Bay Area Blazer, Ro Zapanta. Look good, feel good, pod good, let's get it. All right, Ro, I got to let you know something here. Yes, sir. We got a surprise. We not only have one, but we have two special guests on this episode. Uh Uh-oh. The first being Trailcasters co-host, Chris Burkhart. And then we also are welcoming back the radio voice of the Portland Trailblazers, Travis Demers. Gentlemen, thank you for joining the show and welcome. Yeah, you told me that there was a surprise. I had no idea. I'm like, what could they possibly surprise me? <laughs> the only thing that would have been more surprising is if Chris jumped out of a cake and now I'm disappointed that didn't happen. <laughs> Ooh, we ran, out, next ran out of time. Kids had their first baseball practice today. You'll be they happy did. to know that, uh, Very Travis. Nice. And and I I struggle. I'm I'm struggling. I'm like I, I, Danielle, my wife, Tim Monroe. Mm-hmm. Travis knows Danielle. She's picking on me because I'm sitting behind the dugout while they're practicing, and I'm just throwing my baseball into my mitt. And she's like, "Are you antsy? Are you bored?" I'm like, "It's it's just habit. If the mitt's in my hand, the ball has to go into it, babe." Like I was like, "You're not a baseball player. You don't understand." <laughs> like so, she just heard pop 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 for an hour and it, i didn't get bored of it either it just, it just felt natural did you used oh, to play baseball i was a baseball player through is that where that comes from so oh yeah okay what about you travis you- yeah baseball was my sport i played uh through my freshman year of college and then i coached high school baseball in the in the portland area for a little bit um but i don't quite have time for that right now uh someday maybe i will but yeah no baseball i love baseball yeah yet somehow you migrated over to hoops. How did that, yeah, that happen? Kinda, well, it kind of happens when, you know, you live in a market that doesn't have Major League Baseball, right? I mean, if you want to reach the pinnacle in Portland, it's got to be in the NBA. And don't get me wrong, I love basketball, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I I love basketball. I grew up watching the NBA. loved college basketball growing up. I, I love the NBA, and I, I really wouldn't want to work anywhere else. I've done some stuff in baseball, um, but, like, in college – there really wasn't an opportunity to broadcast baseball because our, our baseball field wasn't set up for it. I did a few road games here and there, but when I came out to Portland, it was football and basketball. And then I did a little lacrosse and horse racing and then had a chance to do some baseball with the pilots and hops. And uh, I mean, I've done plenty of basketball and had this opportunity. So here I am and I love it. And people ask me, Chris has asked me the question before, you know, if Portland gets a major league baseball team, would you want to do it? And I wouldn't. You know, I'd want to keep doing the Blazers because, number one, I love my job and I love the people that I work with. But number two, the baseball season is so long yeah. and grueling. The days are long. And, like, you know, you show up to a game on, on any night, it could be a 14-inning, five-hour game. The NBA, you know, even if you're going overtime, it's like two and a half hours and you're good. Right. Absolutely. And, I know when I'm going to be home. My kids actually will remember my face um, <laughs> and not just through FaceTime. So as much as I love baseball, I, the NBA is where I want to be. Yeah. 
That makes like sense. From the media side, from the media side, that's why covering Timbers and Thorns game is my absolute favorite because I know that I'm I'm in and out in 90 <laughs> yeah. minutes, maybe yeah. a little bit of stoppage time, but then yeah. I'm done. None of this TV timeout nonsense. <laughs> yeah, no no four or five overtime uh, overtime games. I'm just in and out, and I love it. Like sometimes we get these games where it's like there are 712 free throws taken, and you look at the because the, every box score has the the time of the game on. And those games, like we had one last week or the week before that was like two hours and 31 minutes. And that was like obscenely long. And it's still only two and a half hours. It's like, okay, I'm still getting home before 11 o'clock. I can still, you know, get in, you know, get to sleep in time to get up with my kids. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, especially if you're a family man. Uh, yeah. Chris, now you're going to have plenty of time during this episode to take over and grill uh, Travis, on whatever it is you want to grill. I know you said you came unprepared, but you're pretty good talking uh, off the cuff. So, the first question goes to you, my friend. And we've asked your co-host this before, so hopefully he didn't spoil anything. But, the question becomes, Chris. Mm-hmm. LeBron James or Michael Jordan? Who are you taking? The, the answer is simple. And I don't understand uh, why people try to complicate this so much. Um, But look at Kevin Durant, right? Look at the guys in the draft that are coming up. No one ever says, are they the next LeBron? They always say, are they the next Jordan? And that's all you need to know in that conversation. (laughs) Everyone is compared to Jordan. Every, Every great is compared to Jordan. And the next guy in the draft is not compared to LeBron. He's still compared to Jordan. And that's all you need to know about the greatness debate. LeBron absolutely deserves to be in that debate, and he is right there. But there, but the goat's the goat, man. And this is why you're welcome back on the show, and your co-host is not. <laughs> <laughs> Keith, Chris, Keith how, said, how old is your co-host? LeBron, yeah. No, Keith, Keith uh, on Trailcasters. Oh, it's he Keith. Is, yeah, it's Keith, and I'm I'm his co-host. It's his podcast. He's okay. just kind enough to let me on, That's right. and, and yeah. I. You know, uh, unfortunately, Ro and Tim might have to get used to this too. Um, once you let me in the door, I, I don't like to leave. <laughs> Tra- Travis let me on his radio show one time. We became best buds. So yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's very true. I don't like to leave. But yeah, I love LeBron. I've, he's one of the very few players, and I'm sure Travis can attest to this covering games and calling games. Like He's one of the very few players I've watched live that I know can take over a game at any single minute, flip the game on its head, and just go nuclear, go unstoppable, right? But again, people aren't comparing. Like, yeah, Chet Holmgren is a much different player, but they're like, could it be the next LeBron? No. They're like, can he be no, as good be as Jordan ever was? Like, yeah. <laughs> Dark, Dark, Darko Milicic, sure. Yeah, yeah. But but you get the you get the point when people get in that. How, who are they going to be like? It's always Jordan, and that's that's why to me he's the greatest because that that proves the argument right there. Yeah, I and, and I agree. I just, uh, you know, it, for me, what it all boils down to is the fact that they're both great. And the debate between who is, is the greatest of all time, like, they were both the greatest of their eras, to be honest. Mm-hmm. They were. It's just, uh, you know, it's one of those great icebreaker questions. But Travis. Can I weigh in on this? Yes. You already did, but yes, you can. Yeah, but I, I have something else to add to this, right? And and Chris uh, Chris and I have had this talk before. It's, it's always Jordan for me. Anybody under 30 is always going to say LeBron. Anybody over 40 is always going to say MJ. And anybody, you know, current age, in between 30 and 40, it, it's going to be mixed either way. It's, it's, it's MJ mm-hmm. for me. 
LeBron is unbelievable and you watch him take over a game and it's like, why doesn't he do that all the time? And that's the concern that I have for LeBron James. He's unbelievable. He can yeah. go from midcourt to the basket and have a dunk and break your neck in like a split second. I don't ever remember watching Michael Jordan and saying, why doesn't he do that all the time? Because he did do it all the time. Like mm -hmm. for me, it looks like watching LeBron, he coasts. And I know NBA players coast. You know, especially mm -hmm. when you're in January and February and you have three games and four nights, you're going to coast and things like that. But I feel like LeBron does it more often. And maybe that's not fair of me to say that, but that's that's what it looks like. That's that's the appearance. So I never felt that way watching Jordan. And to me, that's the difference between the two. Yeah. Well, hey, you said you said that the older sect says says Jordan and there's this younger section that says LeBron. There's this weird in-between era of about two or three years that for some reason says Kobe. <laughs> and I'm I've not going to fault too. him for that because I'm I'm in that I'm in that section right because when I hear this debate okay LeBron and I think we talked about this last time too when we talk about LeBron and MJ why doesn't anybody bring up Kobe why does that never happen because it should and I'm not saying Kobe is better than MJ or better than LeBron or LeBron is better than than Kobe was but why is Kobe not in that conversation he belongs there well I think it's interesting because I actually think Kobe is far more comparable to Michael Jordan and I think yes. the, I don't understand why the comparison is always LeBron to Jordan because LeBron is actually in my opinion weigh in please he's far more comparable to Magic uh, a, a big guy who can play yep. one through five guard one through five likes to be pass first but can still score when he needs to like LeBron's game is not Michael Jordan's game. Kobe's game was Michael Jordan's game. It, it's so so much to compare between. Well, those let's compare two. Isaiah Thomas and Kareem. That makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you make a valid point. Um, you know, we we've asked basically every guest that we've had on this show the same question, and one guy that has been brought up uh, one time that nobody ever brings up is Wilt Chamberlain. Like, how come nobody ever says Wilt Chamberlain? I feel like part of that is like a recency bias. Like, most well, people never got to see him. To see Wilt exactly. Play. Exactly. Like, how many, Except how many the person who brought it up. In Portland, like, actually remember, actually watching Wilt play. Dwight James? He's the guy who brought Harry it up. He's the guy who brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. Wilt averaged, like, didn't he average, like, 50 points a season at one, like yeah. 20 rebounds or yeah. something like that. Like something ridiculous. Yeah. Like he yeah. was it's like a 2K stat. Destroying. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> do we know how he would stack up in the 90s? We have no idea. I mean, he's really tall. He was really skilled. And I'm sure that, you know, with today's training and all that stuff, he would have adapted to the game today. But the only time that I've ever seen Wilt and really Kareem too has been on like YouTube. Mm -hmm. So Agreed. How, how can I even possibly compare them? It makes you wonder, you know, years down the line when we get to a point where, well, I mean, we're kind of there already. And I feel like that's maybe why a lot of people are saying LeBron's because there's a lot of people out there that never got to see Jordan play. He hasn't played in 20 years. Right? Yeah. yeah. We old, guys. We old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things that I feel like is going to be constantly evolving. And eventually, at some point, maybe i mean jordan has done a really good job of cementing his legacy with his products and everything like people are never going to forget jordan but you know at some point like where are we going to transition to when people are just going to start saying 
LeBron James or whoever it is, you know, 20, 30 years from now. Yeah, I want to ask, I know we're on this topic for a really long time, but I'm actually really curious what you guys think about, I guess, LeBron James hopping from team to team. Do you guys see that as like something in his favor? Like he's gone to multiple playoffs because his hop teams, or do you guys see that as a negative where it's like he hopped teams, but he also brought along some superstars along the way. And I think that makes it easier for you to get to get to like the finals that way. I don't care to be honest. I mean, <laughs> it's a different era. Like everybody does that. Now. Yeah. You look around yeah. the league who, who hasn't done that Dame. Uh, Giannis. Is that about it? Steph? Giannis. 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 But again, look, you're also talking about Steph being in a major market. Yeah. Right? Giannis true. and Dame are not in major markets. And LeBron, though he was in Cleveland, and he made Cleveland, but still Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Cleveland is not Miami. Cleveland is not L.A. Careful when you're I'm talking about cool. Cleveland, Travis. Remember what happened I'm, last time. I'm not talking negatively about Cleveland. <laughs> I'm specifically talking about the market size and the marketability of Cleveland. This is not a Detroit situation like last time, which I was kidding. at a wonderful time in Detroit a couple of weeks ago. Amen. It was lovely for the 18 hours that I was there. But when you're in Cleveland and you can go to Miami, I mean, there are so many things. Like, it's not just the fact that it's it's Cleveland. Like, there's no state income tax in Florida. And when LeBron is at that age and he sees where things are going with Cleveland and has an opportunity to go play with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and go play and live in Miami – and not have to pay state income tax, like, I probably would have done the same thing, too. Yeah, I would have done the same thing. Yeah, he goes back home, goes back to Cleveland, wins a championship. Uh, Okay, where am I going to go next? Uh, I love L.A. I've got a house in L.A. Uh, The Lakers are, you know, the most recognizable team in the NBA. Uh, Go play for the Lakers. So I I don't fault him for that. I don't fault Kawhi Leonard or Paul George or any of those other guys for doing it. It's just the era that we live in. And it also makes what dame does so much more special and like if we don't know yet because he's so young but like luka Doncic, right is he gonna stay in dallas his whole career i have no idea but dallas is also a major market trey young in atlanta major market so like some of these teams like even phoenix like you think about the advantages that phoenix has right yeah. mm-hmm. phoenix is, is beautiful right like you tell me you don't want to go live in, in the sunshine of phoenix all year long and you're also in a major market that has everything that you could possibly want in it. Mm-hmm. Um, great nightlife, great food, great weather, all that stuff. So, like, there, there are a lot of those places. Like, and someone who is a born and raised New Yorker, I wouldn't, if I'm, if I'm choosing, I'm not choosing New York. I'm not choosing Brooklyn. Like, it's a, the city's a pain in the ass to get around. I love Madison Square Garden, but it's antiquated. It's old. Um, the, the city is just a disaster if you're trying to get anywhere. The weather sucks during basketball season. Like, if, if if I wasn't from there and I'm choosing New York or L.A. or Phoenix or Miami, guess where I'm not going? It's New York. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm on the outside because I would totally choose New York just for the history. Yeah, but th- th- some of the things that you, you think about, like, it, it's not just like the Madison Square Garden being on the floor, being in the arena is incredible, right? Mm-hmm. But you go back into the locker rooms and yeah, they've remodeled things, but Madison Square Garden is, it's old, right? It doesn't have a lot of the amenities that the new arenas have. And that matters to players, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. There are a lot of ghosts in there at Madison Square Garden, whether it's 
Patrick Ewing, Willis Reed, Walt Frazier, any of these guys going back in history. And then when you talk about your, your quality of life, okay, are you going to live in the city? You know, are you going to spend a, a million dollars yes. on a one bedroom half bath? <laughs> yes. Close to the arena, right? Okay, so let's say you don't. Let's say you want a bigger house and you want some property. Now you either got to go out to Long Island, you got to go mm -hmm. to Westchester, you got to go to New Jersey. And now getting to the game yeah. every night is a major pain in the ass. Yeah. Where if you live somewhere, and I'm, and I'm not saying it's not in LA because it absolutely is. I was going to say. <laughs> but like, I, yeah, I was talking I was to Ed Cohen, too. who does the Knicks broadcast, right? And he's a buddy of mine who lives yeah. up in Westchester, where I'm from. And I asked him, you know, how long after the game or after you're off air do you get home? He's like, well, it's not too bad. Hour, hour and a half for me, half hour. All right. There's yeah. no traffic getting home. I don't have to pay any tolls. I just mm -hmm. get on I 5 and I'm home. So like all of those things matter when, when players are thinking about where they want to be. That yeah. And I think also Travis knows as good as anyone, as do I having traveled with this team before, uh, you, it cannot be stated enough how much the extra amount of travel that the Blazers have to do weighs on these players as well. Cause I can go to a, a place where, I mean, again, look at, look at LA, you get everything that Travis just mentioned and your closest away game is in your home stadium. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when they That's move true. to Inglewood, it's a 15 minute drive. Right. I did the math a couple years ago and it's hard to, to state this, but if you took every NBA team and the distance from their home stadium to their closest opponent, the, the the 15 teams with the shortest distance to their closest opponent combined don't equal the distance between Portland and Sacramento, which is yeah. Portland's closest opponent. Yeah. Like there oh, are teams crazy. on the East who, yeah, there are teams on the East Coast who bus to games or can yeah. fly back and be back to their, their house within an hour, play an away game and get to their house and sleep on their bed. As where Portland is, do we leave after the game? Do we leave the next morning? Are we going to a hotel? There's so much more logistically that keeps you right. away from your family when mm -hmm. you live in Portland. It's, which it's I, so true. And it's like, as, as the NBA continues to expand, expand, the best thing they can do for a small market like Portland is bring back Seattle, mm -hmm. put a team in Vancouver, right. look at the Las Vegas market, get to start to make it so that this travel is mm -hmm. more balanced and balance out the east and the, and the western conference the fact that portland has to go out and play a western conference opponent in new orleans louisiana and memphis tennessee <laughs> just absolutely yeah. kills the travel so it's so these totally little done. things that factor in as well it's, it's funny you brought that up because I, I was talking to jim moran who's now with the pistons he's been a blazers assistant for years and he was saying that the travel is just totally different from detroit right because you think of like Indiana's close, Milwaukee, Chicago, Cleveland. And even if you're going to New York, it's not terribly far. And if you're on the East Coast, and let's just use New York as, as an example, New York, Brooklyn, Boston, Toronto, Philadelphia, DC, all of that's in a fairly short radius. So like that, that takes a, that takes a toll on it. It really does because like, so on this trip, we get back from Dallas, our last game on this trip, we get back at like 1.30 in the morning, but we've been on central time for nine days. So it's like 3.30 in the morning and then a day off and then you've got to play another game. Well, the other thing too, is that those teams don't have so many road trips. We're gonna have three straight road trips that are nine days. And I was looking at some of the other teams that, that we've been playing, what their schedules are like. It's two games at home, one on the road, two games on the road, one at home, back and forth. And there really aren't those long road trips where we've had, you know, we had a four game trip, now a five game trip. This one's a five game trip. We had a six game trip earlier in the year, a seven game trip earlier in the year. And it just totally kicks your ass by the end of the trip. 
Mm-hmm. So well, with, with with that being said, I, I, I have a question here. So do you think that if and when the NBA makes it a little more equitable as far as travel is concerned for teams like Portland, do you think that solves the solves the issue where uh you know people are are talking about portland being a small market team and nobody wants to come to portland does do you think that would factor into that and maybe make that negligible at that point say there is a a team in seattle and vegas and you know vancouver and and it cuts down on the uh travel time and distance do you think that portland continues to have uh, an issue attracting free agents at that point Yes and no. So, like, I think about this. Like, where have the biggest free agents over the last five, six years gone? Because you can't compare 10 or 20 years ago, right? Things have changed. And by the way, the, 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 what we have right now, where we've got two games in one city, it's amazing. I love it. We had a whole day off today. And mm-hmm. I didn't have to travel anywhere. And the prep for tomorrow is going to be way easier. And things like, I love it. I hope we do more of these. But you look at some of the, the big free agents that have, have gone to different places over the last few years. Where have they gone? or where are players that have wanted to be traded asked to be traded to, right? They go, I mean, to, they go to bigger markets. Yeah, yeah. off the top of my head, it's all the bigger market teams. Yeah, it's LA, it's LA. Um, you know, sometimes you get Chicago, but Chicago's a big market, things like that. But why do players right now sign in Milwaukee that wouldn't have signed there 15 years ago? Golden State is a massive market. Nobody was going there to play 10, 15, 20 years ago because they sucked, mm-hmm. right? That That's True. a huge part of it. So. Like winning, I I truly believe that if the Trailblazers are consistently near the top and they are close, getting free agents to go there will be a lot easier. Getting players to go there will be a lot easier. Whether that means you think the travel has no bearing on it whatsoever. No, I I, I think it does, but I think you're willing to overlook those things Mm -hmm. and go to Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. And we were in Milwaukee just before the All Star break. Milwaukee is a cool city. But I walked a block and a half and it was like four degrees outside, literally. <laughs> and if you're not used yeah. to that, it just hits you right in the gut and sucks the wind out of you. Right. And it's like, do you want to go be in Milwaukee and not win? Or are you going to go to Milwaukee and have a chance to win a championship and you'll suck it up because you know that the environment that you're going to be in is where you want to do your job. So mm-hmm. I, I think all of those things are are taken into consideration for sure. But winning solves a lot, man. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's... Yeah, I agree. I agree because I've, I've had this argument on Trailcasters and it's kind Wait, of... Wait, hold on, Chris. Are you, are you promoting another podcast on this podcast? <laughs> yeah, but we had... <laughs> but here's you. the deal. We had, we had Tim on our show the other day because one thing I am big on is is supporting all the other pods okay. around you because it only Amen. makes you better man Amen. Absolutely. and it, it's all good we're basically in a partnership yeah. it's all good today's yeah, show is brought to you by trailcasters <laughs> that's <laughs> big show yeah remember what i said about travis letting me in and i never let go we came like i, I tim came into our podcast one yeah. time and then now i'm on his it's it's a slow process with me how it should be Watch chris out. you gotta clip Watch travis out. saying that and just like toss it in the <laughs> yeah intro, for real right? <laughs> <laughs> i should i should but no, it, it, back to back to the original topic here. You talk about uh, free agencies and things. I think a, so much more goes into free agency 
it's the little things that like travis said and like this idea of like sales tax and, and state tax thing like those things play in majorly more yeah. so than market size because mm-hmm. this idea that portland struggles to get free agents because it's a small market i think is the biggest crutch for anyone to lean on because back to travis's point if, if if market size was the only indicator of your ability to land free agents then there would be no reason why new york and brooklyn wouldn't be the best two teams in the eastern conference every single year because mm-hmm. of market size there's mm-hmm. no reason that yeah. the lakers would be the best team every single year because of market size and they're struggling right now the clippers were one of the worst teams in basketball for a long stretch of time mm-hmm. and they're in los angeles so th- those teams should be good every single year and there should never be a down year if market size is the only indicator of an ability to land top free agents now you can look at like oh well they got paul george or lebron wanted to go they're like yeah that happens but if this were the case, every single year, there would just yep. be a line of players getting ready to go to those big markets. And that's just not the case because big market size is not the end all be all. It's all those other little things that do factor in. Because mm-hmm. again, especially in today's day and age with social media and brands like, I mean, back in the day, okay, before before Michael Jordan and, and the Jordan brand took off, like the shoe deals were nothing, right? Mm-hmm. But now you have the ability for Damian Lillard in small market Portland to be a, a, a face of the Adidas brand yeah. and be, make multi-million dollars off of shoe deals and little things like this that now players, I don't have to go to the big market to make money because I'm going yep. to make money. So mm-hmm. market size to me is, is the biggest crutch that Blazer fan or NBA expert leans on. Oh, Portland just has a hard time landing free agents because no, look realistically, almost every team has a hard time landing the big free agents. That's why so many teams are built off of trade markets and getting players in the draft. The trade market is where a lot of these teams are built in the long run. Well, so, I mean, speaking yeah. of you know traveling, we had a recent traveler to the Moda Center come back. It was CJ McCollum. He ended up putting 25, 3, and 4 on us. How weird was it for you guys to see CJ in a different uniform? It's weird, man, because, like, for me, as the broadcaster for the team, like, I call guys by their nicknames. I call guys by right. their first names all the time. When it was Dame and CJ, I would never say, or very rarely say, you know, Lillard to McCollum. Or something would be, Dame gets the ball over to CJ, CJ for three. It was never McCollum. And I just got so used to it. And, you know, when when there are players that are important, like Carmelo Anthony, like I never called him Anthony. Who knows him <laughs> as Anthony, right? It's, right. It's mellow. Mellow, man. Yeah. So when we played the Lakers earlier in the year, I had to make sure that I, I didn't say mellow because he's not on our team. And I'm not going to call guys on other teams by their nicknames or by their first names. Screw that. No, they're, they're on the other team. They're gone. They're dead to me now. So it was weird. That was the weirdest thing for me is right. having CJ take a shot and saying McCollum for three and not being excited when he makes it. That was mm-hmm. what was weird for me. Yeah. So then do you, do you do you do what everyone else does and lean on LeBron or do you make a point to say James every single time? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little bit different okay. with LeBron. I try not to, but I'll say <laughs> LeBron and then I catch myself. Damn it. James has the ball. Or I'll say, if I say LeBron and I realize in the middle of all I'm doing it, I'll say LeBron James and I'll try and transition back to James. But I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to give him that kind of treatment. <laughs> hated the guy for close to 20 years. I can't give him that kind of treatment. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? What about you, Chris? Was it weird for you? 
I think it's weird to, to see anybody come through when they're wearing another jersey because you've just become so used to them wearing the, the you know, the, the pinwheel for so long. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely weird. Uh, but I liked it because I've been long on this train that I knew that I got a record of it. It's 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 I, people can get the receipts that saying that CJ McCollum was going to flourish if he were traded and it's all just about stylist style and fit and the big thing is people look at cj mccollum he's playing so well in new orleans and a big key to that is the fact that for the first time in his career he's playing a large chunk of his minutes at point guard yeah he's i'm not I'm happy with shooting guard and it's a huge difference in his game and because again everyone cj's a black hole he doesn't pass the ball when the ball comes to him it's just iso ball since he's been in new orleans he's averaging career high in assists like it's all about style and fit and so it, it's unfortunate i think it needed to happen as a trade just him and dame next to each other just wasn't working with their two styles but you knew he was going to do good as soon as he got out but it doesn't make it any easier or any less weird like to me like this one was weird and the other one that always felt really really weird to me was the first time nick batum came to portland Mm, yeah different jersey like like lamarcus hit different just because fans were so upset with the way that happened forget lamarcus i'm just just throwing out there again forget lamarcus Now nah, I like Lamarcus, <laughs> but the, but but of all the ones that came, like for some reason Nick Batum just never felt right to me. I was like, that one hurt. That one hurt. Well, yeah, you know we've we've talked for a long time about CJ needing to be traded, not just because the Blazers needed you know to to have less redundancy in their two guard positions, but also because. It seemed like CJ would, like you said, Chris, flourish on another team uh, so he didn't have to play in Dame's shadow, essentially. But I'll tell you what, I know you didn't ask me, Ro, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Uh, Seeing CJ back in a different jersey, it was like breaking up with a girlfriend and her seeing her again and realizing oh no did we make a mistake like you know what i mean like it was like <laughs> my heart hurt watching him play for new orleans i was like i hope your did wife doesn't really just mess up? i hope your wife doesn't listen <laughs> <laughs> no i'm playing i'm playing rachel it's a joke he's just giving an example <laughs> my wife knows what's up <laughs> but you know no, it's like it's like when i you, agree when with you, you though when you break up with someone it's like yeah, you know, screw you. You go do your thing. I'm going to do my thing. And then you see them here. I'm like, oh, shoot. I really messed up. Baby, baby, come back. <laughs> well, well, I mean, it's interesting you yeah. say that. Go, go ahead. Go ahead, Travis. Well, what I was going to say is, like, time is everything, right? Because mm-hmm. if you break up with somebody and you don't see him for 10 years and, you know, they don't they don't look the same and, you know, they're, they don't look as good as they did back then and you're like, Okay, I'm good where I'm at. Right, <laughs> right, right. But, but CJ like, came back with a new pair of heels and some ni- right. like a nice fitted <laughs> dress did, and like you know stuff. what I mean? Yeah. And she got he the glow did up. it when the Blazers <laughs> are at their lowest point that they've been in like 15 years. So when we look across the bench and we see CJ McCollum and he's lighting it up, and the Pelicans, who by the way are still well under 500, they're still not mm-hmm. a good basketball. Team. This is true. Mm-hmm he's having success over there and we look around and we see players that we don't recognize and we're losing almost every single game and a lot of those games in a big big way it's like man i wish we still had cj or i wish we got this player or that player for cj so i totally get that perspective 
we'll see what happens when this plan that Joe Cronin has comes to fruition. And if it does the way that he thinks it will, and I think there's a really good chance that it will, if all this stuff happens and we're looking at it two, three years from now, and the Blazers are contending for a championship and the Pelicans are not playing well, and you know if Zion Williamson can't stay healthy or they can't re-sign Brandon Ingram or whatever, and the, the Pelicans go back to being this borderline play-in team, and the Blazers are sitting two and three in, in the West that they would not have been able to do if they held on to CJ. Well, now I think you're looking at it in a totally different context because it's mm-hmm. so recent and things are such a struggle for the Blazers right now, and he's killing it. It's like, man, he looks good. I wish we still had him. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. And you know... For a long time, like a lot of people have been saying, like this DJ, this CJ and Dame pairing, like it's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. We should trade one of them. Trade one of them. We end up trading CJ. Now we're looking at a situation where we have Damian Lillard and potentially Anthony Simons. Do you guys like that guard pairing better than Dame and CJ potentially? I know we haven't seen a lot of it, but what do you guys like from it? Chris, I'll, I'll let you go first. <laughs> Here's the thing. I, 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 I'm going to give the answer that Blazer fans don't like, and that's that I, I, I don't like it that much. I see a I'm lot okay of similarity. That. I see a lot of similarity between the other backcourt. There's things that Ant does well that CJ didn't. And the thing is, you got to remember here, don't get into this whole idea that like, oh, Ant can play both positions. He's very similar to CJ, blah, blah. They play two very, very different games. Like like CJ is like, I'm going to I'm gonna break your ankles and I can be a mid-range assassin. As where Ant is like, I, I has that athleticism. He can get to the rack and, and he's long. He, he has really mm-hmm. good potential on defense. But I wouldn't I argue right now that he is like leaps and bounds better defensively than CJ McCollum was. I would argue that he has far more potential to be. My only problem with the pairing row is if you go and give ant big money then you're kind of right back at square one where you're 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 paying two guards all of your money when your biggest holes are still at the three and the four so i've been big on this idea of like uh jeremy grant is a name that gets thrown out there a lot and there's a lot of blazer fans who don't like that idea at all and i say why not he would be the best power forward since LaMarcus Aldridge, or excuse me, the player that shall not be mentioned for Tim Sanity, was <laughs> left since right. he walked out of town. He's gonna—he's the best power forward you've had basically in, in Dame's time here. So why would you not want to add that? And you you gives you a chance to balance out your roster more. I absolutely love Ant, and I see really, really good star potential in him. I think he can be like an all-star type player. But when you put him next to Dame, I just feel like you're just right back at square one. You, you've reshuffled the deck chairs on the Titanic to use an old cliche, right? Like, So I am just not a fan of that. And I feel like if you do give him big money and you're going to try to pair that, I feel like you're trying to simultaneously do two things at once. And that is you're trying to kind of build around Dame and you're also kind of having that release valve if you need to say okay now it's time to build for the future right and doing mm-hmm. both at the same time is incredibly difficult to do that's my take on it love ant i, I just don't necessarily like the pairing next to dame yeah it kind of reminds me of what the the warriors are doing with their core right now i mean andre iguodala i don't know if you guys saw that he had some words about um how management is almost insulting 
the core of the pass by trying to also stay young. So it's going to be interesting what the Blazers do. But Travis, what do, what do you think of that pairing of Ant? I don't agree with Chris. And him and I have talked about this before. Ooh, okay. And if he wants to talk about receipts, you know, go find my receipts. I'll tell you that I thought <laughs> Dame and CJ could win together. And I never thought that, well, you've got to break up Dame and CJ to have success. I always thought, and I still believe, that if you're going to have a team that has Dame and CJ, or now Dame and Ant, you damn well better put the right pieces around them. 100%. Right? You yes. better have length that can play defense, that can shoot at the three. You better have size at the four, somebody who can spread the floor. You better have somebody who can be a two-way player uh, at the five. And you better have depth, because when those guys are off the floor, you better have a guard who can distribute. You better have a guard who can be a playmaker, because both Dame and Ant can play off the ball. Both Dame and Ant can play with the ball. They're both undersized. Dame is not the defender that, let's just say, a Chris Paul and Phoenix is. And Anthony Simons, for the first time, we've seen a coach and player publicly recognize that their defense needs to improve. Right? We heard Chauncey Billups and Anthony Simons talk about that earlier in the year. There are some similarities to CJ and Ant's games, and there are also some differences. You know, Ant gets to the rim way more than CJ. Ant gets to the free throw line way more than CJ. And they, they can both shoot threes. They can both create. They're both athletic. Ant's mm -hmm. a little more athletic. Um, CJ was one of the best mid-range players in the NBA. He still is. That's not Ant's game. So one of the things that we've seen the last couple of games is, I don't know how much you guys watched the Spurs game the other night. Drew Eubanks got his ass kicked at the rim yeah. all night long. Yes. But it's not Drew Eubanks' fault. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The perimeter defense allowed everybody to get to the rim. And it, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Rudy Gobert or if you're Drew Eubanks. When there is nothing stopping anybody from penetrating from the wings or the top of the key or the corner, and you're the last line of defense, you're going to get beat. And you're going to get beat a lot. And Yusuf Nurkic has had to deal with that a lot. Or Ennis Cantor, whoever's been in that position. So if you surround Dame with and Ant with length, with the ability to defend with two-way players with depth then i think you can win because if other teams are trying to defend you okay who are you gonna throw the double team at you're gonna throw the double team at dame okay well now we've seen what ant can do when he gets single coverage or he can carve up a zone or things like that okay mm -hmm. ant's having a great game let's double team him well well now you got dame you can't double team them both right yeah you can't just mm -hmm. sit all day right. so Having both of those guys on the floor together, just like it did with Dame and CJ, opened things up for each other. The problem was when there wasn't anybody else out on the floor that could score, defenses could put all of their attention on Dame and CJ, like we saw in the New Orleans series that everybody wants to go back to from a few years ago, how they were both shut down, except for CJ in that one game at the end of the series, because there wasn't anybody else on the floor who could score. Mm -hmm. so, so I'm not saying that Dame and, CJ, Dame and Ant are going to work. If they're going to work, you have to put length and balance the roster around them. You have to put defense and you have to put other scorers out there. And that's what this whole plan is, right? And that's what Joe Cronin has talked about. He has said, we got to balance our roster. I mean, I love Norman Powell, but Norman Powell is not a starting three in the NBA. He's a starting 100%. two all day, every day. Yeah, 100%. starting three in the NBA, right? And, you know, Robert Covington, he's he's a role player. I don't want to hear about his 40-plus points like that. He's never done anything <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah, 43 days. 
Hey, Robert Covington is my favorite player in the NBA. Favorite player I, in the NBA, and I will I defend him. him. I will defend him all day long. But I have even when Portland had him on the roster, and I loved it. I have long said about Rocco, he is a he is a style player. He has to be in the right style to fit his skill set. Mm-hmm. And I always thought he's better served as a bench rotation guy, not your starting power forward. Yeah, and that's agreed. coming from a huge Rocco defender. So <laughs> I'm with let, let me ask you guys this: Jay Crowder is Jay Crowder a legit starting four in a championship team in the NBA? Take away what he's done in Phoenix. Is Jay Crowder a legit starting four in the NBA? Two titles are up for grabs on the stacked UFC 273 fight card. Join the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers can bet $5 on any fighter to get $100 in free bets, win or lose, guaranteed. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Throw down $5 on UFC 273 and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code TBPN this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. 21 and up. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. For a championship. I would would much rather see him come off the bench, but, I mean, for that team, it works. That's that's my point. I don't see Is that they have Chris Paul and Devin Booker and Mikel Mm -hmm. Bridges and DeAndre Ayton. Exactly. So is he ever going to be more than your fifth, better than your fifth option with that group? No. He's a terrific defender. He's a good rebounder. He can be a spot-up shooter. So when you have somebody like that in your front court, that's fine as long as he's not your first or second or third or even fourth option. So to mm-hmm. me, it's all about fit, right? So if you want to have whoever it is, if it's Jeremy Grant, if it's John Collins, if it's OG Ananobi, whoever you can go get to fill that three and that four, they've got to be long, they've got to be able to defend. And one of those two needs to be able to knock down some shots. And if you mm-hmm. do that along with Nurk and you've got a bench that has you know, Nasir Little coming off of it, uh, Josh Hart, if Ingles is still around, Winslow down the bottom of that that rotation as a defensive player, you got to find another backup center. You got to find another backup point guard. But if that's what you're talking about, and then you've got fringe rotation players in Trenton Watford or Keon Johnson or Brandon Williams, now you're talking. So yeah. I'm glad you brought up the backup center. Sorry, Chris. Uh, no, you're good. You're good. So our last episode, we had uh, Antonio Harvey on, and he mentioned something that I had not even thought about at all, and that's that the Blazers should really look into going after somebody like Andre Drummond. So he says this, and I, I kind of feel like he means possibly having Andre as the starter over Nurkic. But what are your what are your guys' thoughts around? Bringing in someone like Andre Drummond, who you could probably get for something like ten million. If you pay Andre Drummond ten million, you better get your head checked. <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. At, at most, he's probably <laughs> commanding ten million. Like total or per year. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you, you want, you want to talk about pass. Andre Drummond? Andre Drummond is not a starting center on a on a high level team anymore. He, the his type of play is not that of a the, his style doesn't work as a starting center in the NBA. When he wants to come off the bench, play 18 minutes, be part of that rotation, fine. But to me, he's not a starting center in the NBA. You can't get away with a defender at that position who can't defend the perimeter. And it's not just about mm-hmm. being able to stretch the floor and make threes. 
you've got to be able to get out and defend it. I don't know how, how much you guys have seen or realized how often you see team centers defending guards on the perimeter. Mm -hmm. It happens yeah. every single night. Mm -hmm. And Andre Drummond is going to get beat off the dribble every single time because he's not quick enough. You want to put him around the rim? You want to have him be a defender? You want to have him be a rebounder? Come off the bench, be that kind of guy? Fine. But to me, he he's not a starting center. In on he's a starting center somewhere, maybe. But if you're talking about being a top four team in the West and having a legit chance to make a run to the conference finals and finals, if Andre Drummond's your center, you're in, your starting center, you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that he hasn't had a good career. He's still pretty young, even though he, he looks like he's 50. You know, <laughs> See, like Greg Oden, you know, they, they look like they're 20 years older than they are, but he's still a young guy. But like Dwight Howard, not a starting center in the league anymore. JaVale right. McGee, not a starting center in the league anymore. Andre Drummond, not a starting center in the league anymore. They are valuable players to have on your team, but they're not starting centers in the NBA, in my opinion. I, I think Andre Drummond, for Blazer fan who focuses a lot on Blazer basketball as they should and maybe doesn't watch as much as the rest of the NBA, mm -hmm. I think if Portland went out and got Andre Drummond, it's basically kind of a retread of a Hassan Whiteside type. A guy who's really good at the rim, and yeah, he makes he makes defense look good right there, but everywhere else he leaves much to be desired defensively. And he's going to get points, but only right there within those few feet of the rim. And so I think that's kind of a retread. I actually think like a, a maybe not necessarily a target for Portland, but stylistically the type that I could see this team going after is more of a Serge Ibaka type, a guy who can play more than just center. He's going to be able to play power forward. He's going to be able to play center. He's going to be defensive. He's going to be able to get buckets. He's had a slight downtick in his production this year, so he's not worth the $10 million that he's getting paid right now. So maybe he's in your wheelhouse. You look mm -hmm. at what Travis said about roster construction around a Dame and Ant pairing, and I completely agree with him. Is It's all about how you get that roster built. And and even if some of these players that are on the roster right now are back next year, but they're your 14th or 15th player, or even if they're not back at all, I think what Cronin is doing right now is really laying the groundwork for the type of player that the team wants. Because even if these guys aren't here next year, he has a lot of players on the roster right now that are multi-dimensional. Guys like Josh Hart that can play three, four positions. Trendon Watford yeah. can play multiple positions. Greg Brown as well. Winslow is can play both the three and the four. Drew Eubanks plays most of his minutes at center, but if you were running him in minutes at power forward next to alongside Yusuf Nurkic, he can do that on both sides of the floor. So I even if they're that. not, even if they're not here. He, he's getting a chance to see how Coach Billups works with those type of players. So right. I wouldn't be looking at free agency. Like Andre Drummond to me is a hard pass because he's so one-dimensional and he, he he's a center. That's where mm. you're putting him. And he's not doing much else outside, again, defense and buckets at the rim. I think you really got to look at players that can bring multiple dimensions to the table, play multiple positions, guard multiple positions. And that is especially how you're going to be able to work around Ant and Dame. You're too, quote, Neil said no, but you're two undersized guards, right? <laughs> Playing each other. But if you have multiple talented guys behind them to mask it, that's how you get through it. You look at Seth Curry, Steph Curry. No one has ever argued him being an all-world defender. But the way that roster was built allowed it to to mask his inefficiencies on the yeah, defensive side. He's got six, seven. Clay Thompson next to him is one of the best two-way players in the history. Exactly, of the game. and you have, and you have, you have, you have to 
I say, and you have Dray, you have Draymond, who was the one of the best defenders in the league in his prime, and still is when he's when he's on the floor. So mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely got to look at those more dimensional players. That's nothing to be said that, that there's nothing wrong with being an Andre Drummond type. You just have to be in the right system. And I definitely think with what with what Cronin has done with the roster and what uh, Billups has started to do that we've seen on the floor, they've laid the groundwork for the type of player that they want. So to that point, to your points that you made, Chris, do you think that's why Jeremy Grant has become kind of the overall number one trade or not, you know, target for the Blazers? Uh, this off season, I I think there's multiple reasons because a he's good. <laughs> like I said, well, yeah. he'd be the best. <laughs> he'd be the best. Like even though there would be like there's still holes to fill. Like he would be the best power forward you've had since Lamarcus Aldridge. So why would you not want to add that? And again, I say power forward, but maybe you're still able to go out there and get something even better at the four and slide him to the three because he can play that if you need him to. I'll he tell you right now, I'm not starting him over Nas. Well, I'm you're not. a Nas lover. It's okay. I am. But I'm just saying. <laughs> I love Nas I'm just too. saying. Uh, you could play him at the five in small ball lineups. And and Nasir mm-hmm. Little, I have long argued. I I know that everyone sees him at the three. I absolutely love Nasir Little when he gets to play small ball four. I love his game. I love his game. Like, that's where I would love to see him more. He doesn't get to do it enough. You see it in such tiny little spurts. I would love him there. But the point is, even if you play him exclusively at the three, He's talented enough to be moved around wherever you need him to do. That's the type of player they need. So, hey, start him. I love Nas, but, yeah, I do think Jeremy Grant, versatility is key here. See, I I like the direction you're going, but Grant's not the guy that I'm looking at, right, for for a couple of reasons. Jeremy Grant is one year left on his deal. He's going to make $20 million next year in the last year of his deal, and he wants a big deal, right? So and I'm not necessarily talking about his game. I'm talking about the business of it. Jeremy Grant doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, and I like, more like a one year rental. Potentially, because he might not want to come back. And why would you why would you do that? Or you're going to have to pay him way more than what he's worth. Mm-hmm. Right. He's 28 years old. He's going to be 29 over the summer. So you're going to play him through his 29 year old season and then sign him to a four year, $115 million contract when he's 30. Mm hmm. You know, I'm, that's that's not something I'm terribly interested in. Um, and, you know, I, I look at, at Nas in the way that I look at Jay Crowder. I don't think he is, at, at this point, a starter on a championship team unless he has the perfect fits around him. And that would be, you know, Dame, Ant, Nurk, and then somebody like John Collins, who is a dynamic four. But if you're going to get somebody at the four, if you're going to start Nas at the three and you bring in Jeremy Grant to play the four, guess what? Now you're looking at the same problem because he's six seven or six eight, and now you've got a six eight guy playing the four as your mm-hmm. starter. If you have somebody who's six seven six eight playing the four in a backup role, okay, now you can play small things like that. But I don't, I don't like that die. idea. So for me, if I'm looking at the same position and if I'm looking at Jeremy Grant, I'm looking at him as a small forward, not a power forward. Mm-hmm. The guy that I, I see is OG Ananobi, right? Because he has, he's, he doesn't fit in Toronto anymore, right? They have their starting wings, right? They've got right. the rookie and Scotty Barnes and they've got Pascal Siakam. Mm-hmm. He's six, seven, six, eight. He's 24 years old. He's got two years left on his contract, about 17 million a year. Then he has, I think, a player option the year after that. And he's not going to command $120 million a year, but he's still scoring 17 points a game. He can still shoot the three. 
He's got length. He can defend. So if he comes in and he's your starting three, with that money at his age, with that kind of contract, that's, to me, that that's a perfect fit. I don't know if they would make it work. And I don't know what, it, what you would have to give up because we hear all of this stuff. And I know I'm going down all these different rabbit holes. Chris knows I do this all the time. But if, if we're talking about teams wanting young players, right? You hear this all the time. Well, they want to draft pick any young player. If we're having this conversation six months ago, the only players who fall into that fit are Nasir Little and Anthony Simons. Mm-hmm. Now, because these other guys have had an opportunity to play, I think Keon Johnson belongs there. I think Trenton Watford belongs there. Agreed. I think mm-hmm. Brandon Williams belongs there, even though you can't can't trade a two-way player. So I think that's another yeah. thing that's come out of all of this is those players have value now. So oh. now you could have two first-round picks, cap, you know, two lottery picks, cap space, and these other young players that nobody really knew anything about, but now they've played, now you do. So mm-hmm. now you have more as- assets that you can move. So does Toronto want cap space? Check. Does Toronto want a lottery pick? Check. Got that too, especially because their first round pick is going to end up going through San Antonio this year. So they're going to need a draft pick. So you got the cap space. You got the draft pick. They want a young player. Is it Watford? Is it Johnson? Is it Williams? Is it somebody else? Check, check, check. Now you've got a deal that's attractive to a team like Toronto for a player that they think that they're paying too much for to come off the bench. And I'm so glad that that's the name you mentioned because I said that one a couple months ago on the other podcast. Yeah, I don't want to drop name. it twice, and I don't want to say it twice. <laughs> it's okay. Let's just take and... a minute. I'll let you promo the Trailcasters. <laughs> no, no, Listeners, no, no, no. if you Let's haven't listened yet, please. Is... <laughs> I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start being like. I'm gonna start saying Trailcasters as much as Keith says Discord. So. Oh man, true. <laughs> it's but like no, every uh, other uh, sentence. Yeah, Ananobi is one that is a a great name and he's a perfect stylistic fit and he'd be a huge upgrade of that position and again to be clear travis i never said and i know you didn't say i said this but i just want to say i didn't say jeremy grant was the answer or the number one option because the question was specifically about jeremy grant now if i was giving all free reign i'm also going to agree with you because the one player that i think would drastically change how this lineup works is john collins Phenomenal, yeah. phenomenal power forward. I would forward love to see John who, Collins in a Whose uniform. game would pair so well next to Damian Lillard. So I would use and he's got four years it. left on his deal. He's making exactly. a reasonable $23 million or so. He's young. He'll be 25. So if you can find a way to go get OG Ananobi and John Collins, and now you've got Dame and Ant and Nurk and some combination of the role players that are coming off the bench, you go sign a couple of guys, uh, I think you got a winner right there. Yeah, so uh, it's going to be a very, very interesting offseason. But before we go to your guys' next topic, since since Travis brought up OG Ananobi, there's another name in Toronto that I've been really intrigued uh, at for the rest of the year, and he's going into free agency. But again, he really fits the style that Cronin and Billups have outlined. Don't know what he's going to command on the free agent market. Not your starter, but a great rotation player it is Chris Boucher. The ability to play the four, the ability to play the five, you can move him around. And if you're looking for just a solid guy to get you your 12, 15 minutes off the bench, that's not a bad uh, proposition for the Blazers. I think he's going to get quite a bit of interest for teams looking to fill up some rotation depth. Maybe off the bench, but I mean, to be honest, I'd rather we just keep Watford. Yeah, you got it. But, but Watford is, is I mean, Boucher is going to play four and five. Watford is going to be playing a lot of three and four like so Watford? yeah i, I get i, I, I get what that. you're saying look at 
per cleaning the glass, it's yes. I I don't know if it's just the optics of watching Boucher run up and down the court, but I'd like someone a little more nimble or like a little yeah. a little more quick footed. <laughs> yeah. You know. Oh no, I get you. I'm not talking about like, hey, he's gonna come in and be your starter and completely change the game. I mean, you're you're just looking for a guy who's gonna give you some solid depth and the ability to play multiple positions. It's that type of the player that they've been outlining. Yeah. If it, I mean, if it's off the bench, I'm all for it. So, I'm. So we're gonna get two lottery picks if everything goes right. That's if the Pelicans get eliminated, right? From um from the play-in. That's what we yeah. need. Yeah. I'm assuming that everyone wants to trade these picks to help Dame now? Or are you guys more so like, I would rather use these picks on drafting players and hopefully getting some talent that way? Where's the pick? That's the question, where's, where's the pick? Where's the pick? <laughs> True. Right. So what's, because, a, what's the threshold for you, you think? Well, are you, are you getting Jalen Smith? Are you getting Paolo Bencaro? Is the answer yes, then you're keeping the pick. Is the answer no, then you're trading the pick. That's how I see it. Right, because if you're if you get New Orleans pick, um, it's going to be 11, 12, something like that. Right. Right. Unless somebody because if they're if New Orleans misses the playoffs, the best chance they would have the worst chance I should say is they would have is 12 because whoever gets eliminated from the Eastern Conference is going to have a better record than them. So they're going to sit there at 12 and unless somebody from behind them moves up the best that they do to the top four, the the worst that pick is going to be is 12. Okay, so I'm guessing it's probably going to be 10 to 12. 10 to 12 to me is too much of a crapshoot because Damian Lillard has X number of years left, whether you think it's two, three, four, whatever it is. You don't have the time to sit there and wait for 10th, 11th, 12th pick to become a guy, right? And maybe that player already is. Sometimes it happens, but the odds of that happening, you like I see this all the time. Well, so and so was the you know twenty fourth pick. Yeah, okay. Tell me all of the rest of the twenty fourth picks that didn't right. work out. So, In that same vein, though, Travis, do you really think that a young twenty something year old player could be that difference maker if we're still trying to build around Dame versus trading those picks for a proven player? Well, that that's the question, right? Because who who is the guy? Is it Smith? Is it Pancaro? If you're talking about one of those guys, I think what they are and what they have, um, especially with the money that they're going to make, you've got a much better chance of filling out the roster the way that it needs to be filled out by paying one of those guys 10 or $11 million than going and you know finding two wings that are making 17 to 25. Mm -hmm. Because now what you can do is you can go pay your number one pick 10 11 million in his on his rookie scale contract and now you can overspend a little bit at the other wing position and be a little greedy and, and get something a little a little bit higher quality of what you want rather than trying to take that money and split it between mm -hmm. two guys so really it's just coming down to a numbers game at, at this at that point yeah and that's what joe, joe cronin does he's a numbers guy he's right. been mm -hmm. the cap guy so he's absolutely going to think of it that way and there obviously i'm sure going to be some differences i haven't talked to him specifically about that but that's that's going to come into play but you think about it this way like the average for the last what is it 20 years or so top 10 picks that end up being quality starters 
and quality starters on good teams in their first and or second year. It's like two, maybe three, right? You look at last year's draft, how many starters on playoff teams came out of last year's top 10? Evan Mobley, and he's pretty freaking good, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and Scotty Barnes, that's about it. I mean, I'm not saying Cunningham's not a good player or any of the other guys drafted in the top 10 aren't good players, but are you telling me that some of those guys are starting on playoff caliber teams? No, and it took Barnes until like the 50th game of the season before he was a starter. So I think that's the route you that's take true. in that position if somebody like Smith or Bancaro is available where you're drafting. And then you take that other pick, 9, 10, 11, 12, whatever it is, and you use that as the bait with a young player, with some cap space, whatever it is, to go get your starting three. Mm -hmm. Okay. I've got I've got two more questions for you guys here. Um, one is for the both of you, and the last is I'm going to save it for Travis. But um, I need to know this season what would you consider as the bright side to the 2022 season? Because there's been a lot of downs this season, and as we're kind of coming into the the, the pinnacle, the, the the end of the season, what is the best part of this season? for you uh, we'll start with you Travis uh, I think the most important thing is that Dame got to rest Dame had his his procedure he got to rest and he's going to take nine months off no basketball doesn't have to think about it because unless Dame is 100% you're not going to be able to compete the way that you want to compete so anything that comes out of this season positively is secondary to that that's number one 1A 1B number two three four whatever it is Damian Lillard finally being 100% for the first time in a half decade is the most important thing that has come out of this season. And he hasn't had to rush back. He hasn't had any pressure to come back. That's the most important thing. And then I think the other thing is developing the young players, whether they're going to play for you or they are players that you're going to, uh, that are going to be attractive to other teams. I think that's really important. And, and then, you know, clearing a lot of the money off the books. Because the purgatory that they were in, paying so many guys so much money, especially in the backcourt, they were never going to be able to, to get the the balanced roster that they wanted. So mm -hmm. being able to clear a lot of that, while you don't have as many of those A and B or B and C type players that you can include in trades, you have so much flexibility on the books that you can maneuver in a completely different way. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I think for me, I think the positive is that, as weird as it sounds, the positive is that the ship has been rocked. Like mm -hmm. it was, it was just steadily sailing for so long that it finally the boat has been rocked, and you needed that to happen. Um, like every single off season, like you knew the Blazers' plan, right? They're gonna go get a, a small forward who can who can shoot the three. So I'm gonna go get Kent Bazemore, or then I'm gonna go get Mario Hazonia and Mask and tell you about how athletic he is and how he can play everywhere. But then the next off season, it's just a retread of the exact same guys under different names. Or we're gonna have Ennis Cantor, then he's gonna go away. But then we're gonna go back to Ennis Cantor. In between, we're gonna go to Hassan Whiteside, and then we might even go back to Hassan Whiteside because we just have this plan that we just do over and over. Exactly and over the ship was rocked and that's why i'm so intrigued with how the draft and the offseason plays out because portland has a chance uh mathematically to to possibly land a top five pick they're playing in the lottery they could get two lottery picks here and the thing is like most of the time teams in that position are definitely down 
and they are bad and they're going to be bad as they rebuild. Portland really has a chance to play this right and become competitive in a very short amount of time if they do it right. But they could also mess it up. But the thing is, there's no game plan here. It's fun. We're watching it. We're going to enjoy what's going on. They might hit a home run. They might not. But it's just not. It's not Groundhog's Day. It's not the same mm. thing over and over <laughs> and over to me. And I love that. I'm so intrigued by what they do. Like we debate all the time. Do like you ask the question, what do you see them doing with the picks? Do you see them using them? Do you see them trading them? Like that's, there's a debate here. What are they going to do every single year? It wasn't, if they Finally, were going to trade right? them, it was like, God, what, what, what are they going to do with this pick? What, what, what lucky player is going to fall into their lap? How is this going to get spun? Like, right. Like, uh, so yeah, that's what I like. And secondly, I think there's a huge, huge bright side in what we're seeing on the floor, out of the players, but more so out of what Coach Billups is doing. Early in the year, with the, with the full roster, things looked rocky. People were really, really down on what Billups was doing. They're like, this guy said he was going to be a defensive guy. He's going to change this, going to change that. I'm not seeing it. The team is not winning, but you've really started to see a lot of those little stylistic changes that he's tried to bring on take shape. And I'm really excited by how that plays out when he has a full healthy roster and he's not playing guys who again uh, not putting any disrespect on these guys because they are the 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 top one percent of the one percent in the world to even be in the nba but there's guys on this roster who are going to be in the g league next year or be trying to decide where they're going to go it's not going to be in portland they're not going to be getting nba minutes but you're still seeing good things out of them, out of what Coach Billups is doing. You look at what Ime Udoka did in Boston. He had a very similar start to Coach Billups. Rocky mm -hmm. out of the gate. People were wondering if that was the right hire. But as his system and his style started to get on, and he has a healthy roster of his full starters, they're playing incredibly good basketball. Mm -hmm. And so Billups, I think you're really starting to see what he is as a coach, what he can do as a coach. You've seen stylistic changes on defenses. You've seen uh, differences in how the offenses run, but you're just seeing it with Trendon Watford and Brandon Williams and Drew Eubanks. Now imagine what it's going like to be like seeing that with Dame and possibly Yusuf Nurkic and possibly Anthony Simons or whatever uh, three or four you get to come in that drastically changes the roster. And to me, that's a huge bright spot and should not be overlooked at how much Billups has changed the philosophy of this team. 100%. I think that's incredibly exciting. Finally, for the first time in however many years uh, that we've been watching the the the, the carousel, essentially. Um, Travis, this is a big question for you. Okay, I'm ready. So, you filled in for Kevin Calabro a couple times now. I, I know you knew this yeah. was coming. You filled in a couple of times for Calabro now. Uh, the first part of the question is, do you take the same approach going into filling in for Kevin as you do uh, for your, your radio programs? Um, and also, to me, all signs are pointing towards you and Lamar being the guys to usher in the next season. What are your thoughts on that? And is... Is that a real possibility? Look, I, I will say, I'll, I'll start with the second part of that question first. <laughs> Kevin Calabro is one of the greatest broadcasters in the history of the NBA. Um, I don't think it's right for me to speak about when he's not around anymore. I think he deserves more respect than that. And I don't think it's a disrespectful question. It's a fair question, it's an honest question. But from my perspective, I think it's disrespectful to speak about that. Because that's, that's his chair. That's his chairman. I love the chairman. I'm in. And if someday they say to me, 
hey man, Kevin decided to, to retire, right? Because I don't know, maybe he's going to keep doing it until he's 80. Maybe he's going to be Al McCoy. I don't know. <laughs> but if, if that day comes where on his terms, he says he's not going to do it anymore. And, and they came to me and said, we want you to slide over. I think that would be pretty cool. In the meantime, <laughs> uh, I love my job. And, you know, I never had any thought that, you know, that that TV was was part of my future. I mean, they, they specifically told me during my interview process, we want someone who wants to do radio. If we wanted someone who wanted to do TV, we'd go find someone to do TV. We're not hiring someone to do radio to eventually do TV. So I don't know whether that's in the cards or not someday. So I'm just coming at it from the angle that I love doing radio. And if they ask me to do TV to fill in here and there, uh, I will happily do it. Um, as far as the approach, it's way different. I mean, it is so different. I've done TV before. Like I've done some some games with the pilots, um, you know, some other TV stuff, but my, my prep and my notes were all the same. And then I'm so used to this, this schedule, this pregame routine where, you know, for a seven o'clock game, 6.05 pregame starts, 6.10 I do a hit with Jay Allen, 6.30 I do a hit with Jay Allen, 6.50 I do a hit with Jay Allen, and then we start the game and boom, go from there. But I'm doing prep, I'm doing, I do my pregame interview with coach at five, all this other stuff. With TV, it's like, all right, make sure you're there, ready to go by 6.15 for, for the rehearsal. What? <laughs> that, that's it? Like, I'm looking at my watch, like 5.45, like, am I supposed to be somewhere? No. Like, <laughs> what am I doing? And then I run through the pregame stuff with Lamar and I was nervous. I mean, I, I was nervous. I don't know if you guys saw this. I'm sure you did because you've been on social media. But you couldn't tell. I took a lot of crap for my hair. People made a lot of fun of my hair. So I've, really? I've cut it since then. So while while we're here, so you can kind of see, like there's there's a little hard part here. right here. Thrown in a little bit, right? Okay. So this this was longer, right? It was nice and flowing. I shaved it all off. The hard part started over on the side of my head. And Chris, you remember when I got the haircut? And then over mm -hmm. time, it just started to migrate over, <laughs> over, over. And then in the center of my head, there's just this line. And I've got this like beautiful, long, luscious hair over here. And then shaved <laughs> over here. And it did not translate to television That's funny. at all. Travis, we're, <laughs> Travis, this podcast, it's it's on, it's a, it's an audio file. Yes, we're I know, but I'm right talking now. to you. No, I know, I know. We're on camera right now. So you're the you're one talking who's got the long, long flowing hair. Luscious hair. <laughs> it's Holy Troy Palomaro. I am, I'm pulling off my best uh, Stephen Adams Islander. That's incredible, Seriously. man. And you got the island tattoo. Key, to go the with kiwi it. over here. Yeah. yeah, the tattoo really sets off my Maui I feel, vibes. I feel like Aquaman. You can tell, here. by the way, the sarcasm in my voice when I was talking about my long, luscious hair. You have long. Long, beautiful flowing I just hair. wanted to show I just wanted to show it off I it's, always it's gorgeous it I love it yeah I'm sure the listeners uh are, are getting a, a beautiful shot of right yeah now. it was my it was my midlife crisis when I yeah. got taken yeah off it TV looks like we like, have Travis should... and Jason Momoa now <laughs> I'll, I will, hey, I'll take that comparison I feel like, all day. I feel like the Trailcaster should get a sponsorship from Vidal Sassoon or something <laughs> yeah. that's true <laughs> we'll work on it the, the point that I was making is that Nobody on social media criticized the job that I did. All they want to do is criticize my hair, and that's fine. Like, I'll take that. You want to make fun of my hair? Yeah. You, know, you think I got weird looking eyes? I have a tooth that's pointing in the wrong direction? <laughs> Whatever. I don't care as long as you're not talking about my broadcast, which was cool to me because people in this town are very territorial 
about their broadcasters. And I'm sure somebody said something negative, but most of the stuff that I saw was all positive, especially about my hair, which I've since cut off. Anyway, so going from game one to game two, it was only supposed to be a one game thing. And I didn't find out that I was doing the second game until the day in between. Mm-hmm. And the biggest criticism that I got from my bosses is that this is a, ra- a TV broadcast, not a radio, don't, don't talk so much. And <laughs> I definitely applied that to the second game because it was, you know, you want to be better the second game than the first. And L- Lamar is awesome, man. He is just, he is so good. He is so fun to work with. He takes so much pressure off because TV is really built for the analyst. Radio was built for the play-by-play announcer. TV is built for the analyst. And he mm-hmm. he fits that role so well. Excuse me, so well. Uh, it was a ton of fun working with him and that crew. That's awesome. Um, well, before Tim actually closes this out. Um, I, I'm not closing yet, but go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, uh, you know, we were talking to Antonio Harvey, the last pod, and he had just glowing things to say about you, Travis. He actually really? called you he the did. future of Blazers broadcasting. So I just wanted to put that out there in case you haven't that's listened cool. to it yet, because that that's a glowing review right there, man. I don't know if you that's ever, awesome. I don't I know if you've had like conversations with him before, but he had nothing but good things to say about you. That's cool. I've worked with him a little bit. I've got yeah. to know him a little bit. He's always been awesome to me. Um, and that's, that's really cool. I mean, that you guys can see that puts a big smile on my face. Tone is, Tone <laughs> yeah. is the man. So that's, that's really cool to hear. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, we all think you're doing a phenomenal job. Thank you. Uh, I don't think there's anybody that could have stepped into wheel shoes better than you have. Um, we're just going to stroke your ego here for a second. Yeah. And, uh, you know, <laughs> we'll pay no attention to the hair, but we're going to talk about the hair for a quick second, just a hot second, because Travis, you should not let social media influence how you, uh, do your hair. Well, I've, I've been, you do you haircut myself. My wife and I, my wife doesn't like, she didn't like it at all for like the last few months. I didn't like it. Like I look in the mirror, I'm like, God, this looks stupid. <laughs> but I wanted to shave it off and like, I'll just wait till after the season. I'll just wait till after the season. Didn't quite and make it. And it was just there. the catalyst. That was <laughs> yeah. eight, nine games short. I'm like, you know what? Fine. F it. I'm cutting it all off. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, we wish you luck in your next uh, choice in hairdos. Uh, maybe you can. I'm gonna go back to my like old Chris faithful. Here. You know the the same haircut that I had for 15 years. I'm just gonna go back to that because that that works that. just fine. So, before we close it out, I need to know you guys used to travel together. Yeah. You guys, I, I basically I need to know what is a typical night out for the road trip buddies here, Chris and Travis. We need to know where. What do you guys do? You guys just go out for dinner? Like, what, what's going on here? Because there's some sort of bromance going on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tra- Travis and I just hit it off after sitting in, in the studio. When I started at uh, NBC, then uh, CSN, he was uh, hosting Trailblazers Pulse with uh, with Jamie Hudson and, and Dusty Hara. And, yep. and that's that's where he was first came in. And it's really funny because him and him and, and Jamie Hudson both. I came in. You guys got to remember, like my my career goal has always been still is to 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 be a talking head, to work on TV one day. That's why I loved Outsiders. It was great to get that chance to, to live that dream for even a short time. So when I walked into the NBC studios, first day of work, and my boss takes me into the Pulse studio and I see Travis and Jamie there, I'm like, oh my God, 
That's that's fucking Travis and Jamie. I see them on TV. Like I was afraid. <laughs> I was afraid to talk to either one of them. No joke. Like I'm like I'm I'm just little Chris Burkhart in the corner. I'm afraid to talk to these two superstars. That's fun. Eight years later of working at NBC and Travis leaving and coming back. Those two became two of my best friends <laughs> through working there. Uh, Travis let me on the radio. And then once he got the job, when he got the, the job to fill in for wheels, we were like both like ecstatic. Like, like when he brings me in, he's like, hey, I got a, got a secret to tell you. I'm like, what? And I'm going to be on the road. What? You're going to be on the road with me, dude? Like, oh, we got to go here. We got to go here. And he's just like, I, I even think he's like, okay, Chris, like, like pump the brakes a little bit. But, but the thing is a lot, it all depended on the night. Cause some Travis, th- this is what you fans, you say Travis has done a good job. And there's a reason because the amount of nights on the road where it's like, Hey dude, we're, we're going to go out for dinner. It's not even late yet. And it's like, you want to ha- come with us? He's like, Oh dude, I, I got, I got a ton of notes to do. I'm actually going to hit the hay a little bit early, but I'll hit you up for breakfast. And that's what we do. Like this guy is working all the time. And the work shows when you guys listen to those radio broadcasts or listen to those TV broadcasts when he fills in, that's why the dude's a horse. But when we do get to go out, we had fun. I remember one of my fun, funnest, uh, most fun times with him. We're in Atlanta he has a buddy who lives in Atlanta, and he's like, hey, my buddy, Uh-oh. his family always does this uh, trivia night at the bar. You, you want to yeah, go? That's right. Like, we're like, sure. So so I go pick him up, and we are just listening to, to music all the way down. He's telling me about uh, what Ice Nine Kills, one of his favorite bands. Like, hey, have you ever listened to this band before? I'm like, no, I haven't. So we're listening to this rock band, uh, Scream Horror Songs, yeah. driving down the freeways <laughs> of Atlanta. I'm getting into it. We're just telling stories. And then finally I'm like, oh shit, Travis, I missed the exit. And he's like, what? I'm like, yep, got to loop around. So I loop around in Atlanta traffic. Then we're almost to the bar and Travis is like, hey, uh, I just checked on my phone. There's like a Best Buy, like a mile down the road and I need some earbuds. Like, you think we can uh, stop at Best Buy real quick? So I'm like, sure, Travis. So we stop at Best Buy. We finally get to this bar, uh, have a hell of a time with him. And at this point, this was like, this is all pre-COVID. This might've even been towards the, like the uh, beginning of that year. So COVID it was, was February. Starting. Yeah, exactly. And things were just starting to take off. And I remember I had been really sick around then too, which is now we're all like, did I have COVID? But Travis was starting to get really sick. And he's like, dude, like, I just really need a tea. And at this point it's like 930 or something. Like it's, <laughs> at least it's late. It's dark out in Atlanta. We've never been to Atlanta. I've never been to Atlanta. And he's like, I think there's a Starbucks around here somewhere. You think we could stop at Starbucks and get a tea? And I'm like, sure, Travis, because I have the rental car. I'm just driving. I drove around this block like twice. Could not find it. I finally see the Starbucks and oh, there it is. And here, Travis just drops a big old smile on his face. You need anything? I'm like, no, I'm good. Oh, okay. Close door, walks. It comes out just happier than a pig and shit because he's finally got his little throat coat tea or whatever flavor it was. Hey, thanks, bud. I'm really glad you stopped. And then we went and dropped him off at the hotel and that was that. But it was one of the most memorable nights of driving that around. Was a fun night. And that's a night with Travis. That was fun. But you got to remember too, like one of the things about Chris is that he was always down to do anything, right? Like I love going to other games. So there was one time, like we went to uh, an Avalanche Sharks playoff game in between yeah games one and two in uh, in Denver in 2019. And then we were going to Chicago and the Giants were playing the Bears and they kick off at noon local time. And I really wanted to go, I'm a Giants fan, I really wanted to go see the game. We both wanted to see Soldier Field. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember where we were coming from, do you? Where we were coming from, I 
think you might have already been there and i was just coming from no we're, hotel. Yeah, we're just... you, you were flying in that day oh the city yeah yeah i do not remember what city we were coming from but yeah i came in that morning yeah like... so chris flies in that morning i'm you know i get up we got into town like i don't know 1 30 in the morning games at noon and chris lands what time it was seven eight nine a.m i don't know what it was when he lands i'm waiting he texts me like so do you still want to go to the game he's like yeah so I went on, you know, StubHub or SeatGeek or something like that, and I we bought tickets. We we go to the Bears Giants game at Soldier Field. We're in like the tenth row or something behind uh, the end zone. And you remember that kid that was in front of us? He was, must have been like nineteen, mm. and he was just he was wearing a Giants jersey and just talking crap to all the Bears fans. And his parents <laughs> were like putting their hands over their head like this, like, "Oh my God, this kid's not with us." Yeah, uh, yeah, we we had some good times, man. Just looking we, at the we schedule. Both, we're we coming to random baseball stadium. We went to Miller Park and checked out, you know, old Milwaukee County Stadium. Uh, they yeah, so Travis and I, like I said, I'm, I'm a baseball guy at heart, and so is he. So we'd geek out on that. So, yeah, in mm-hmm. Milwaukee, like, we they didn't have a shoot around that day, so we had all morning. And he's like, hey, around lunchtime, I got a few hours between notes. Like, you want to drive down to, to Miller Park? We're like, sure. So we drive all the way through Milwaukee to the baseball stadium park in a spot that I'm like sweating bullets. Cause like, I don't even know if I'm allowed to park there, but I parked there. <laughs> we just walk around the stadium, check out all the spots. We went to the, the, uh, not opening day, but opening weekend at the twins that just popped up on my, on my yeah, Facebook right. memories. Like, so <laughs> yeah, if, if there was a game in town, Travis and I were going to go there. We if there was a stadium out. to go see, we were going to go see it. Uh, yeah. Again, cause right before COVID, but yeah, new year's, new year's, 2020 in nyc his hometown he's like yeah we got to go hit up little italy so we had a sweet little we new did. year's eve dinner and we're and we didn't we go anywhere this, near times square no we were at this bar like just outside of the main area so we didn't have to deal with anything and yeah. oh gosh but new year's eve there and oh yeah so by the way chris mentioned my notes these are my notes for last game <laughs> oh jeez. Oh, so uh yeah there, there's a lot of information packed in there but for as much as I love Travis, and for as much as I tell grand stories about him, because he was one I'm of my- I'm also pain in the ass. No, no, he, he can be, but here's the thing. I, I, I am as well. But, uh, and it was always fun, because like he had to coordinate, because like I said, he's traveling with the team. I'm just flying commercial, so I'm on Southwest all the time. Just don't know when I'm even going to get into town. But, but here's the thing. Like I said, he, he's fun as hell to travel with, but I, always, I will also never forget, again, we're in New Orleans, which is one of the best food cities. He already knows where it's going. One of the best food cities in the entire world. And like I tell you, you tell Travis, like you call him at night and he's busy. He's like, no, but we'll, I'll hit you up for breakfast. Okay, cool. So he hits me up for breakfast the next day because we didn't go out to dinner. He's like, hey man, let's go out to breakfast. I want to say this again. We're in New Orleans, one of the best food cities in the world. He's like, yeah, I'm already out. How about you just come meet me? I'm like, yeah, where are you at? We're on Bourbon. Where are He's like, oh, uh, on Canal Street. I'm at IHOP. <laughs> Travis. We're in the one of the best food cities in the world, and you want me to meet you at IHOP? IHOP. <laughs> he used right his per diem already. Hotel. It was. It was right next to the hotel. But so was Bourbon Street, and uh, there got to be a good breakfast spot there. I'm sure but, there was. But I would gladly go stop at any IHOP with Travis on the road because well, it was fun as hell you. just to do, man. I, I agree, and, and thank you. I, I'm totally on board with you on that. The, the problem is, like, I'm not great at going to find new stuff, like in a new city. So if someone said to me, hey, I've never been to this place. Chris, if you're like, hey, there's this place on Bourbon Street. It looks great. Let's go check it out. Okay, let's go. I'm not the one who's going to go find the place. 
So if there's an IHOP right next to the hotel and I'm being lazy, I'm just going to go to the IHOP That's right next to the hotel. So really, Chris, this falls back on you. You should have suggested a place. <laughs> yeah, but, but did, didn't you not just hear the, him say himself that he's a pain in the ass? When you know your yeah. travel buddy's a pain in the ass, you don't want to you you don't want to wake that beast. He's well, you also those... said you were a pain in the ass, so you guys could have both canceled each other out, and you could have suggested a place, and he could have met it you. It was That's all it I'm was saying. way it was way too early. <laughs> it was way too early for that. <laughs> I hop in New Orleans. That's amazing. And we did go to uh, Waffle House in New Orleans too. One of my goals, I think we talked about it last time, one of my goals is to go to a Waffle House in every state that has one. You did so I have crossed uh, Louisiana off. Nice. So how many states are left? I'd have to look. Um, I think there are like like 31 states that have a Waffle House, and I've been to like 22. You're so, close. Is, is there one yeah, that to, really stands out to you? That I've never been to or that I that I need to go to? That, or that, I, that I've been to? That you've been to? They're all the same. Oh, okay. Well, that was that was a crappy They're question. Literally I'm sorry. All cookie cutter. <laughs> all it's like, no, I mean it. Like yeah. they're all the same. It's not like you know you go to a McDonald's and it's like, man, this McDonald's is really nice. But the, there's some Waffle Houses that are pretty dingy, but even the nice ones, they're all they're all the same. But I've never the, been to like Arkansas, Alabama, Mississippi. I've never been to those states, so I haven't been to a Waffle House in those states. The real question is. Do you order the same thing every time you go to a Waffle House? I do because it's like the best of everything. I get like their all-star special order. So you got the you got the cheese eggs. Uh, they give you this plain white bread toast, grits, waffle. Uh, what else is in there? Bacon. Oh yeah, you can't. I was gonna say, where's the meat? You got you got to lead with the bacon. <laughs> so yeah, the same thing. And then uh, you know, coffee. It's not very good coffee, but. It's hard to have a, a meal like that without having coffee. <laughs> right on, right on. Well, gentlemen, I want to thank you both for joining the show. Yeah. Travis, thank you. Chris, this is your first time, so thank you for your first time. And Travis, thank you for making this uh, a recurring thing here. Sure thing. Um, Thanks for letting us out. hijack it, by the way. Oh, of course. That <laughs> was the whole point. Time. Absolutely. That was the whole time. point. <laughs> I See, I did one show with Chris on his show, and I I could just tell. He was going to hijack my show. So I thought, what a better time than when his old buddy Travis Demers is on the show. <laughs> hey, I, totally I just got to give you credit for at least saying his name right. I remember one of the first times Travis Demers? got me on radio. Yes. And he kept letting me, he would, he'd, he would like try to correct me during commercial break. I'm like, what? What? And like, he, he let it slide, but I'll, I won't forget it. It's like, what an idiot. How did I? Hey, it, how did Kevin Calabro didn't even get it right until last year. Really? <laughs> you say like Demers. Demers. Well, I've heard it enough. I I tend to try and say it right, but when it hey when it comes to basketball players, I I very rarely get it right. You just all you have to do is go back to our previous shows in our catalog. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's so bad. Anyway, big shout out to you guys, my co-host. The Bay Area Blazer, Rosa Panta, uh, the Basketball Podcast Network, DraftKings, and especially you, our listeners, Twitter followers, and Bucket Busters. You make it so easy to keep stepping up to this mic. Keep reaching out to us on Twitter, at BustedBucket, with your comments and questions. We love building community with you all. And don't forget to rate, follow, and subscribe. And also leave a review if you're digging what we're saying. Be good to each other, Rip City. We'll catch you next time on the Busted Bucket Podcast. Thanks for listening.